0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas. I am the Everton. I'm the Echoes Everton FC correspondent. Alongside me, we have got Gav Buckland, regular contributor. Smaller team today. Mixture of holiday, loo days, preparation for for Crystal Palace tomorrow as well. But we'll do our best to take you through everything going into that game, that trip to Selhurst Park. Gav, how are you doing, UK? You okay? Fine. I hope you talk, when you're talking about
1: blue days, Joe, you're talking about days that are older to people, not uh, somebody's not feeling too good there, uh, to be fair. <laughs> slightly, uh, slightly won't... startling.
0: Yeah, well, I think for Chris Beasley, who um was down at Mansfield on, on Tuesday night watching Seamus Coleman, Yusuf Chimiti and some of the other first team squad in with the under 21 to the Papa John's trophy. I think it's I think it's richly deserved to be fair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Before we go on, Joe, I think we can't let the uh, the moment pass though congratulate you on your award at the North West Football uh, Awards early on this week as
0: what was it broadcaster and journalist of the year or something like that? It was journalist of the year for for North West thanks Gavin, I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah and that reflects enormously well on the great work that you've done and also I think you agree the the wider team at the Echo and, and it just shows you once again that if you want the closest and best coverage of any football club uh, you go to the the local press it should be your first port of call because they have greater well, um, insight than, I mean, than anybody it, else. Thanks,
0: and and you are certainly right. Of course, obviously, whilst um, you know, I got the the day in the starlight, it, none of that would have been possible without the team around us and, and many of those people that are regularly on this. Podcast as well, so I'm very grateful for for them and, and and their role and their support as, as well as yours, Gav. But um, I, I, thanks, Joe. I'd be very disappointed
1: if you uh, didn't thank Everton in your acceptance speech for providing me such a such a great wealth of raw material over the twelve months. Show.
0: <laughs> well, this, this certainly kept us busy. Everything we could definitely say that, but um,
1: yeah.
0: Hopefully, obviously, it's been a lot of turbulence, and I think we'd be naive if we didn't think there was going to be more turbulence to come. No. But on the pitch, at least things have looked up in this whole yeah. mini-segment. Obviously, we have another international break coming up after this game. It's such a stunted season. It's impossible to get any momentum built up. But in this little segment from, um, obviously, when, when Everton started, albeit it was, came back with a Merseyside derby in defeat, but from there till even regardless of what happens against Palace tomorrow, I think this will have been, will, will have been a positive little period, I think, for Everton.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also progression in the uh, the Carabao Cup shouldn't be forgotten. And also as well, you know, we've got two or three players who are progressing quite quickly on the pitch. I think Brantwaite will be one of them. And Anna will also be in there. And, and, and Calvert-Lewin, who I think all, all three of them are in better places than what they were at the, the start of the season. And, um, you know, I think... We will probably talk about it as you on the podcast and we'll be capable of getting the results tomorrow.
0: Yeah, of course. And yeah, you know, we'll come to Bradthwaite we'll later, but I've been at Goodison Park. This, obviously, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. I was at Goodison Park this morning speaking to Lee Carsley, the England Under-21s manager, who has just announced his squad for the upcoming games. And, of course, England played Northern Ireland at Goodison Park on, on Tuesday, November the 21st. So he was there and had the opportunity to speak to him about, obviously, one what it's like coming back to Goodison Park, a place where he has so much history himself, but also obviously speaking, you know, about Jared Bradford, his progression, uh, not just with, with Everton boss with the young England under 21s, where he's now, uh, I think he's now in, the, just like he has with, with Everton this season, he's burst into the, the starting 11, having been a squad player over the summer. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so there'll be plenty of content around that, but we'll move on to, to Palace, Gav, uh, you know, difficult place to go, Palace got a few points in the board, four points ahead of Everton, they got a good win against Burnley last yeah. weekend, but there's nothing to fear here for Everton, is there?
1: No, it's a ground that we've traditionally done well actually, at Joe where Salers Park. I think if you have a look, I think in 14, 14 Premier League games, I think we only lost twice twice there, six wins, six draws, for all reputation of being, its reputation has been, and it always sounds like I've never been there actually, uh, well, I've seen Everton Charlton there, but not Everton Palace, Um it's a great atmosphere and stuff. It's a ground that has traditionally been quite favourable for us. And I think, I don't know what you think, but I think Hodgson and Bais, two similar managers, the way they set up the teams.
0: Yeah, quite possibly. I think they probably share a similar world view as well. You know, they both kind of predate um, you know, the, the the latest modern influx of ideas and, and, and managers. And I think probably... Again, this is something that we'll come on to later on in this show, I should imagine. But things like substitutes and yeah, their their views were forged in the game long before some of the more recent changes, uh, and I think that shows in the way they set up their teams.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't don't tend to concede many or score many. You know, I think if you have a look at the the stats this season, I think I always like looking at the the goals scored and goals against to to judge, like a manager. And you see Hodson teams over the years tend to score one, concede one on average over the season. And that's where we are, a little bit on the dice. I mean, I think us and, have had the, us and, sorry, us and Palace have had the fewest goals in their mat- matches this season yeah, in well, the I Premier think, League. Um, I,
0: think, I think Palace have kept the most clean sheets in the Premier League so far this season. And Everton have recorded the most... Different games where they failed to score. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that, that could yeah. make for, you know, a nil nil tomorrow. But I reckon it will be a bit more entertaining now I think there are two teams here that have both got, you know, the ability to to play with some positivity. Palace have some dangerous players, we know that. And I think Eberechi, has he's just signed a new contract. I think he's going to be back tomorrow. Uh, and I think Elise might be available as well. So there is some potency there for Everton's to worry about. But Palace, like Everton, seems to be a side that are also better away from home as well. So,
1: Yeah, I think they've won three times on the road this season. Palace, I think, but only only once at Salers Park. And our record on the dice has been more more... Bias towards our way form as well. I mean, for all Roy's pragmatic reputation as a coach, it has got some, as you say, he's got some real individual talent there, hasn't he? And has done for a couple of years when you throw Sahar in. Uh, I think Elise and Isaiah are exceptional players, both both lovely to watch. And um, I think, as I say, we've got one or two players who have similar look. So, though it looks on face value, low score a game, hopefully being entertaining.
0: Well, one area where is probably going to be a lot of action, and it was certainly the case at Selfish Park last year in this fixture. And I think this is probably the biggest talking point really going into the starting lineups for tomorrow. So, team news on Thursday, Sean Dyche's press conference at Amadou Inada. Obviously, he had a calf injury that was the reason he was absent last week. He's back on the training ground, so... Yeah, we think he'll be available. Amadou nana has got a bit of sickness. Uh, not Amadou Inanna, sorry, Abdoulaye de had a bit of sickness. Jab Bramfweig's picked up a knock. All three of them did take part in training on Thursday morning. So I think the hope is that they'll be in and around the squad. Um, Gav, the expectation is that they'll be there. And I think Deitch believes that they'll be available for selection. But an Everton side without those three players is a reminder of... Just how fragile
1: the squad is, isn't it, I think? Yeah, well, we spoke about this on Monday, didn't we? About the about the, the size of the squad and that at some point that, that impacts our substitution potential. And also when we get into a, a busy schedule, we end up starting players perhaps who you you might want to you put on the bench. And and I think this could be the case on Saturday. The only saving grace I'd say, Joe, is, is the international break, isn't it? Yes, you know, he said like there's another two weeks now till till they play again, and I suspect that, uh, yeah, I may be proved wrong. I, I'd be very surprised if all three don't play. Mm. You know, one even one of them miss. You know, I think they'll all play on on Saturday. I think, if, especially if they've been training on Monday. Uh, sorry, on Thursday to say. Um, I think um, I'd be very surprised if 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 one of them is absent. Mm given the size of the squad and the fact that we've got an international break coming up.
0: If all of those are available, probably the big question mark is the same question mark that we've had going into most of the recent games, which is, what do you do at right-back? Obviously, Ashley Young came straight back in after his suspension, so it's it's clear that Deitch believes that he is the best right-back for the moment, and certainly in the absence of Seamus Coleman, who now has two under-21s games under his belt, and he can't be a million miles off. Um, it's a really interesting, obviously, you know, caused real problems by Luis Diaz, but then actually did a pretty decent job against Kyra Mitoma last week. You know, Palace are another side that play with talented wingers. Would you be tempted to keep him or would you be tempted to look at, at Nathan Patterson? It's it's an interesting one, this game, because I can remember from last season, it was a game that uh, the that, that Jordan A.U. absolutely tore apart Mason Holgate, who played right back in that game. Yeah. picked got the two yellow cards. Got sent off, wasn't it? So, you know, it, again, it's a flashpoint. Well, this this is
1: this is a really interesting part of the pitch at the moment, isn't it? It's um, made the even more complicated by Seamus's return during the week, isn't it? Really, and I think the key word there, or key word to use there, Joe, is for the moment. Mm. Um is that what is that what Dice is just operating on? Given our circumstances, he's just picking teams for the moment. And understandably so, without having regard to possibly putting players in to see them, you know, fulfil their potential to grow within within the starting eleven. I don't think he's got that luxury. And on that basis, he's pick, picking a, a young, as senior pro he, who he can trust, rather than rather than Patterson. And I think we would you all understand that. You may not agree with it, but you don't you understand it. But I think. I think Patterson is a is a I think it's one of them big question marks at the club at the moment because here you are as a player that we bought, I think he 20 when we bought him, um, Scottish International Potential. They only made, I think only about eight or nine starts for Rangers in the in the Scottish Premier League. And we spent like 10-12 million pounds on them um in January 2022. And since then, I think he's only made 18 and 19 Premier League starts for Everton. So he's now twenty two. And he's probably made twenty-five league starts in his career. Mm. And you know, when you talk about developing players, I still hear phrases around, around the parish. People say, Oh, he needs to learn, he needs to learn off Seamus, he needs, needs to learn off Young, he needs to, you know, he needs to develop. Well, he's twenty two. He's been a pro for, for three years. He's a Scotland international. When is he going to start? If he needs to develop, he needs to start now. It's a player we've invested quite a significant amount of money in. I mean, no funds are tighten. It's yeah. it was, it was, it was, when's that going to happen? Is when we're going to say, you know, how how do how do we how do we treat that asset for, for to coin a you know
0: current football phrase? <laughs> you know, how how do we do that? Well, the honest answer is, is I don't know. Um, Sean Dyche often makes a big play of Patterson's youth whenever he's asked about him, or whenever he, he always he, in, with Patterson, with Branthwaite and with Garner, and to a certain Amadou of and He, you, know, whenever they come up, and he often groups them together, almost talking about them as a core of young players that he perhaps sees as building the future around at Everton. And if we take that at face value, I think we can kind of understand where he might be coming from. You know, all these young lads that are you know, 21, 22, 23. Um, and I wonder if maybe just like we're getting used to kind of some almost Sean Deitchisms in his approach to say fitness. Like I think over the course of the 10 months that he's been at Everton, we now, seem to, we now have an understanding that there's a difference between what is probably the standard uh, perception of somebody being match fit and... Deitch fit. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we this came up so much last season. Um, I, I I wonder if we're in a situation where there's, um, there's, there's, there's a standard perception of of maturity for a Premier League footballer and then there's a Deitch maturity. Yeah, yeah. I got that. Because I, I, I get your point. Really, Ashley Young should largely be irrelevant to Nathan's development because you yeah, for all the experience that Ashley Young has, he doesn't bring anything to this Everton squad that Patterson didn't already have available to him. Since he's been there, Seamus Coleman has been there. Since he's been there, Leighton Baines has been there. And even before Sean Dyche was there, Ashley Cole was there. So he's had at least a year and in some cases longer with at the very least two, sometimes three of, you know, the best fullbacks to have ever played in the Premier League being there to kind of offer him some you know, some guidance, some tutelage, uh, and to explain explain the role. So in those conditions, there couldn't be any better conditions to thrive for, for someone like that. I guess on the flip side, what you'd say is there's, there's probably two things. One is the you know, and, and this is an even bigger factor for some of those younger players who aren't as developed as Pats and obviously we saw Tom Cannon move on and, you know, we, we also sort of like to Stanley Mills and, and Lewis Warren go out on loan uh, rather than stay to... Yeah, Booster Fredbear Premier League squad this season. It's obviously this season is an extension of the last two campaigns, certainly the beginning where there's a lot of pressure, there's pressure on every minute, pretty much. Um, so therefore he probably doesn't want to take as 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 many risks. And then the other thing with Patterson is he's also been unfortunate with injuries. And I think yeah. that we probably would have seen a very different scenario play out had he not got injured. Um, it was probably two or three months into last season. He started it right back under Lampard and he played well. If you remember, I think the game that we all thought was the game that clicked for Patson, or thought, okay, maybe he can do this, um, was the derby, the nil-nil derby, where he played really well against hmm. Mo Salah. Um, or he might have be, I'm not sure which wing Mo Salah was on, but obviously Liverpool have, have an abundance of, of wonderful wide players. He played really, really well in that game. And it came, the derby came after, if I remember rightly, the Leeds away game, which is when Lampard moved from a back five to a back four. And whilst you could see that there was less protection for Patterson and sometimes Everton got exposed as a result of that, you could he seemed to manage that change in formation reasonably well. And then he got injured and then that just took him out. And then he came back into the squad and then he got another injury, which meant that he was unavailable over, over the new year. Uh, and I think that's just part of the problem for Pats. So he's just, it's not. I think I don't think it'd quite be fair to say that it's dice alone that's perhaps stunting his, you know, the, the top tier of his development. It, he's also had opportunities and had the misfortunes had them taken away from him, just as he's gathered momentum by injury. Yeah, I, I I get all that. I think my my
1: point is here, and it's it's more about about the future is. You've seen this with quite a few players over the years as are just potential a young player who needs to learn a game. And before you know it, the 24-25. And they've actually done not a lot for lots of different reasons. And given the amount of money that we've invested in, Patterson is nearly two years into his Everton's career and still no sign of a, a permanent birth at right back, as I say, which may be even more complicated when Sheamus... You know, returns is you know we don't we don't want Patterson falling into that trap. He, he, yeah, he needs to assert himself, doesn't he, and mm-hmm. make that make that place his own. And I think the difference between him and Anada and Garner is they probably professionally in their career have had played more games and yes, you know, and Ananda, you know, certainly a higher level. You know, I know Patterson's played for Scotland, but you know, Ananda's, as he as he's like so want to remind us has played with better plays than when he has done it ever. Their, their paths have been far more straightforward, haven't they? But, um, and also, going back to what we said on Monday, they've got less competition in midfield, so Patterson's probably one of three people looking for the right-back spots at the moment, isn't it? Which doesn't help. So so there is differences, I think, when Bice says Patterson and Arna Garner. I think there's, there's a difference between Patterson and the other two. And I just don't want to see him wasted, you know, like I don't want to see his career just being stunted because of you know different circumstances when we've invested a lot of money, and that, and that's what I'm seeing at the moment. I'm just seeing a player who just currently referred to as somebody who needs to learn off people at the club mm-hmm. when he's been there for two years and he's had a lot of people to learn from, as you say. And it's where he where he's going is is something I think. I, the concern is not the word he uses; is, is is um just worried I think will be the probably a bit less. than concerned. is I'm, I'm just worried about where he's going at the moment yeah, I as think, a professional. I think that
0: concern. I think that concern is legitimate because I think if you take if you wanted to take at uh, face value, then I think that it may be you would interpret his comments as saying that he sees Patterson as the right back for the next season. Obviously, Ashley Young will be out of contract at the end of this year. Uh, so will Seamus Coleman. We, we wait to see what would happen with either of those players. But really, I mean, the summer will be the, the talent point. Really, is to, or, or maybe before then if they extend any of those contracts. Because if, if if Patterson isn't starting it right back at the beginning of next season, then I think he's he's clearly not fancied. Um, I think there is evidence to suggest that Deitch probably doesn't fancy him. Um, as much as we, we might like to think at the minute or as he might like to let on because it feels like there have been opportunities to give him minutes that just haven't been taken. Things like, obviously, Burnley in the Carabao Cup. Um, Ashley Young started in that game and and whilst Dyches didn't make wholesale changes, he did make one or two and he thought that would have been an easy opportunity for Patterson mm-hmm. to come in. Um, so, and then again, against Brighton in in the weekend. We know that Sean Batch doesn't like to make that many substitutions, but I think for all that Brighton didn't look like they were necessarily going to cut Everton open going into that last 10 minutes, it's hard to see how a manager who had genuine trust in Patterson wouldn't have either brought him on for Ashley and for fresh legs or maybe brought him on for Harrison and then I've had, you know, Patterson playing in front of Young and doubling up or Young moving up to right midfield and, and Paterson moving to right back. It just felt like such an obvious thing to do that wasn't done that you do then start to go, well, okay, what, well, you, know, why hasn't that been done? Um, and I think that's probably even more pertinent when you think that, you know, for all his experience, you know, I, I don't think I'd be speaking out of turn or being too controversial to say that Ashley Young hasn't had the best of starts to this season. I think I can see... Justification into why people might think that Dietrich doesn't fancy Patterson. Yeah, whilst if you take him at face value on his words, the suggestion might be that he sees him as a long term solution for the right back issue. With obviously Ashley Young is out of contract at the end of this year, Seamus um, Coleman's out of contract at the end of this year. Um, and I think it might be quite telling to see what deals get done towards the back end of the season. Um, as to where that leaves Patterson. Because if Patterson isn't starting right back at the beginning of next season, then I think then that would probably really concern the player and his representatives and probably be quite telling as to what Deitch thinks of him. Um, I also think probably what's a little bit of concern for, for Patterson so far and, and, and what Deitch views of him is the fact that there have been opportunities to give him easy minutes or easy chances mm. um, so far this season, particularly quite recently. Bournemouth and yeah, Burnley in the Carabao Cup. Obviously, Deitch didn't make wholesale changes, but he did make some changes, and bringing Nathan Patterson in for Ashley Young was an easy one to make that he decided not to do. Then away then against Brighton at the weekend, obviously, substitutes have been a big talking point, and even though Brighton, even when they got the goal, didn't look like they were necessarily going to cut through Everton, it did feel like an obvious opportunity to bring Patterson on either for Young or for Harrison, and then you either have Young moving up to right midfield or Patterson playing in front of them just to double up and protect against... Brighton's biggest threat I think with Ashley Young I don't think it's too controversial that he has had the best of starts to the season so there have been lots, lots of easy opportunities for Deitch to bring in Nathan Patterson that he hasn't taken yet and whilst we can still take him at face value when he talks about his player for the future he the more opportunities that go by that aren't taken to use him I think the bigger the question mark will be will, will grow as to whether or not he actually sees him as a viable option yeah, and, and
1: that's that that causes a problem then for, for next season, doesn't it? Really, I know we can't look too far down the line, but if 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 Young and Coleman don't have the contracts with you, Jordan, during, during the summer, you're left with Patterson as the only right back at the club. You might say, oh, you, you might want to start him from the, the first game next season, but he might not have played enough, proved himself, so he might be in the market for a right back next summer. And, and I think the more minutes we can give him this year, as you say, the better. Because say we've invested a lot of money there for the player who's still still unproven. And we need to we need at some point we need to find out whether he's good enough to play for the first team. And I think that's not happening at the
0: moment. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point. I think if you know, you look at the other side of the fence and of the, 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 the fence and um yeah, you know, Mikolenko lost his place to and, and and you could have similar concerns there. But obviously what we have seen is that McLean has been given an opportunity and then he's taken that opportunity. He's he's, he's grown and grown since there. So you know, we have seen it happen under Deitch, but it's also clear that EO he, you know, he has players that he trusts more than others. And mm. I guess we can probably understand this to a certain point, given Evan's mm. situation. Whilst they are making progress, it is fragile progress. You can understand why he's trying to stick to what he knows, but whether or not that's best in the long term, I'm not sure. And I think, um, yeah, I think we'd all probably like to see Patterson get a few more minutes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Mikulenko's older though, isn't he? he's had a lot more minutes under him before mm-hmm. he came to having a little bit more battle hardened than Patterson. So you could see why he's, you know, Dyson's far more trustworthy of, of Mikulenko. And I just, I just think it's a, it's an area of the pitch and, and somebody that we just need to keep a keep an eye on between now and the mm-hmm. rest of you know for the rest of the campaign because it may cause us an issue next season.
0: Yeah, Gav, um, moving back to the game, how important do you think this game is? On Monday, we spoke a lot about viewing Everton's results within the wider context of of, of the season. Now, obviously, we're coming up to the third international break now. The first one, Everton hadn't got a win and. You know, they, they drew the last game against Sheffield United thanks to Jordan Pickford's late heroics, but it was a difficult international break that was, knowing that it was only those late saves that stopped Everton from having lost every game going into it. You'd have the second international break that came along and that was a must-win game against Bournemouth and Everton did go and do it, so I think felt relatively positive. What do you think the importance of this way tomorrow? Do you think that even if providing the manner of, of it isn't absolutely appalling, do you think that they're... Is reason to be positive throughout another this international break, even if they were to lose tomorrow.
1: Yeah, because I, I think I, I think whatever happens tomorrow, and you know, hopefully I'm I'm, I'm proven right. So I'm not I'm not sure whether it's going to be, you know, if we get beat, it's going to be a heavy defeat where you you know you you're really concerned about it. And and I think yeah, I think whatever, regardless of the results, I think it's been progress. You know, since the last international break, that's been reflected in, you know, a couple of good performances. Even at Derby, we were competitive. And and also as well, um, I think the good thing for me is defensively, we've been really sound over the last four or five games, both in league and come. I think the only goals we've can conceded is the penalty at Anfield, a goal at Anfield when we were chasing the game and, you know, last, last kick of the game virtually, wasn't it? And the fluke against against Brighton. So I think as well as the results, it's the defensive solidity for all the criticism Young has got on occasions. We have looked really solid at the back. You know, you know, we you talk about Sean Dice fitness, we're talking about Sean Dice defence there, aren't we? Really? And I think that that yeah, if you've got a really tight defence, you're probably going to be okay during the league campaign. And I think that's what we've got at the moment. But certainly the two centre-halves and at left-back, we've got that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously with, you know, with, with Dominic Calvert-Lewin having maintained his fitness for, for such a long run of games, that's something that we haven't seen for quite a while. That means that Ever in a situation where, yeah, you know, if they've got a solid defence, they are actually in a position where one goal can win it. It's not having to score two or three to get three points every game, like it has been at various other points over the past 18 months. Yeah, you know, Dominic Calvert Lewin, you just can't put price really on him being available at the top, can you? No, and it gives us an outlet and he
1: scores goals. And I think just good for morale, isn't it? <laughs> good, for, you know, good for the morale, I suppose, is he's a fan's favourite, isn't he? And I think that, that, regardless, you know what I feel about and I like him, but I, I think he is a people do tend to overestimate him. He is good. He's good for morale. He does give, gives us an outlet. I think Palace is the type of team. Got five Premier League goals against Palace, by the way, which is a joint highest against any side. So it's a team that he likes scoring against, like West Ham the other week, and he scored there. So I think he'll have he'll have opportunities tomorrow, and I think he. That's another plus. Yes, yeah, said at the start. That's one of the plus points we've had of the over the last five or six games. His his appearance, not just as a his appearance and performance, but his his fitness really is. Is he, you know you know don't want to sort of put the mockers on him, but he has look as has fit is what he's done since the early days of Carlo. To be honest with you, and that, that must be good for him mentally as well. We've spoken about his mental you know, he's spoken about his mental issues himself, hasn't he, Dominic, in terms of the the pressure that being injured causes you and I think that that can only be good for him from that angle.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, it's, it's some interesting kind of parallels to this game compared to, parallels is the wrong word, but there was Crystal Palace away last season when Calvert-Lewin came back from his latest injury concern and things look quite optimistic because he played well in that game, didn't score, but but, Really added a threat that hadn't been in the games before, and it was also James Garner's first start for Everton in the Premier League. Um, after his yeah, stunted beginning to his Everton career as well, and obviously he's gone on from strength to strength. Another player that's gone on from strength to strength, certainly over the course of, uh, of this year, obviously partly on load at the PS and is Jared Branthwaite. Nate, I mean, we, we've 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 spoke, spoken glowingly about Jared Branthwaite several times already this season, but. Named in the England squad, England under twenty one squad today by by Lee Carsley. Going to be playing at Goodison against Northern Ireland Tuesday. I mean, that's a that's that's a nice thing, isn't it? That's a nice honour for him, I think, to be playing on his home soil for his country. Uh, yeah, that should be a big moment for his career, I think, shouldn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, and it's it's, it's good for Everton. We'll be
1: looking about. It. Can't think of many Everton players who played for England. I could, isn't it? At yeah. any level, I'll be I'll be looking at that. I know Ray Wilson did, isn't it? In the '60s, and that, that's just that's good. There'd be interesting to see tomorrow seeing the Palace sent off as a gay, Mark Gay mm-hmm. tomorrow. Now he is in the England squad, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he's in the senior uh,
1: squad. Squad squads. Yeah, they'd be interesting to compare compare those two uh, tomorrow. But you know, we've spoken and quite rightly so about at length about Blantwhite and the thing. Not only his is what he's brought to the team as an individual, but I think Mikolenco's progress is not uncoincidental to, to Brantway coming in. And also Tarkovsky looks a better centre-half, even though he's the senior player. He, he looks a better centre-half. And I think a good I think a, a good sort of barometer of Brantway's importance is is the two Brighton games, the one last week and the one in January, where in January Evan Ferguson ran riots, didn't he? Um, scored and looked like that at the post. And on, on Saturday, he got taken off after, what, 65 minutes? Something like that. And even though we give out some awkward moments, you're going to get that. I think if, if if you're a centre-half and you're playing a team like Brighton and their centre, centre-four has been taken off because they haven't scored after 65 minutes, you must be thinking to yourself, I've done a decent job here. And I think Tarkovsky would have been saying the same. And i say that that's only testimony to our um, for you know, far far much improved um, defensive performances over the last six or seven weeks.
0: Yeah, and that's, as I said earlier, I was speaking to Lee Carsley about Jaar Bramthwaite earlier and, he, you know, he he was glowing in his praise not just for, for his ability and his development on the pitch, but also his maturity off the pitch. Obviously, Bramthwaite was part of that under-21 squad that won the European Championships in, in the summer, but he wasn't a starting player. He, he, he was a, a squad player and we all know that be be difficult for players to you know going to be a part of tournament squads, but not getting many minutes on the pitch. But he said he, he handled himself really, really well, and obviously laid the platform for the good starts of the season he's had with Everton, and, and also the growth into the uh, into the starting eleven of the of the England under 21s Now that Levi Colwell has has, has moved up. Into the senior side as well, so that's that's a real positive. Okay, I'll, I'll finish on one more talking point from this week. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw Sean Dyche talking to uh, Be In Sports um, mm. earlier on uh, this week, but about about Delhi Alley and the the role that Delhi seems to be playing in in the dressing room in helping to perhaps interpret and explain some of Dyche's tactics. I thought. I thought that was really fascinating. To be perfectly honest, Deitch there explaining how how Delhi managed to step in to to help clear up a misunderstanding really between some of the players and Deitch over what their different terms of directness mean, what, a, what Deitch directness means in comparison to what they believe in. And again, you know, it's just almost like we're in a completely different. It's almost like is speaking a different language to everyone else. But having Delhi there as an interpreter is uh, you know, was was something I wasn't expecting.
1: I, I didn't say it, but I've heard about, hear it. about. Um, it, it, it. It's it's um, it's it's one of the more unexpected developments, you would say. But I think it's good though that he's keeping Dali involved, isn't it? And I, I was quite I was quite fascinated by that. In that one thing about Dali Ali is he's got enormous football intelligence, hasn't he? That just comes across when he was he was on the pitch, and and I know he's still got hopefully. Lots, lots left in his career once he gets, you know, back to fitness and, and stuff. And and I, it's it's good good for him, isn't it? It's uh, just to get involved, Dali Ali, and perhaps as a pointer to, towards what he's going to do in the future, because he he's got like a a level of intelligence on the pitch that I've not seen many English players have over the last sort of ten or twenty years, Dali Alley. And it's the type of intelligence that can transmit itself quite easily to the coaching coaching side of it. But he's got plenty of mileage left as a as a footballer, uh, and on a personal level, it may not be at Evan, but uh, you know, wish him all the best because his best for spares. He was a t- tremendous player.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really, is interesting because he's a player that it's easy to forget. He's played in a World Cup semi final, a Champions League final, so yeah, you know, he has a he has a depth of footballing experience that you know, very very few other people have in that squad. Obviously, Ashley Young is someone that has. Played, a, you know, progressed in tournaments with England and with, with with club sides as well. But there aren't many others that can can go anywhere near claiming that depth of of knowledge and experience. So I thought it was just quite interesting and yeah. challenging some perceptions again a, a, around Delhi. The fact that you know it's clear that he's very engaged in what's going on, despite not being able to affect matters on the pitch or on or on the training pitch. And you know that that relationship between him and Deitch is a, a testament to them to them both in fairness, I think.
1: Yeah, and I say it's it's good good for for Daly uh, in terms of his well being to, to be involved, and while he's here, you've got to make the most of him, haven't you? Whether he's playing or not, and I I think that's a pretty positive way of making use of his his ability in a, in a rather unexpected way, and who knows, you may see him playing for Everton at some point during the season, you know, contract, contract contracts permitting. I don't, just quickly, Joe, what's the latest have you, anything that's been talk about Everton renegotiating, trying to renegotiate the deal? Has there been progress on that? Or is there no, a
0: there's, yeah, no no, no, progress yeah. on that. The, um, I think there's a line of communication between Everton and Tottenham on the matter, but I think they're currently in the a holding position really where the, the, the depth of any talks is going to be, is only going to really, they're only going to reach the depth on it once Delhi gets close to match fitness. Yeah. Um, and I think the reality is that he's still some way away from that. You know, I think he's still weeks and weeks away from that. So perhaps once we see him joining back up with the first team squad and being at that point, then I think the conversation will go from, you know, who do we contact to, right, let's see if we can hammer something out. But yeah, as, as of you, yeah, I think there, there is an intent to, to try and uh, 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 wangle a deal if, if one can be done. Um, but they haven't got to specifics yet. So,
1: yeah, I hope they do. I'd like to see Daly given a quarter on another team because as I say, be a real
0: shame. would be a yeah. real shame if, if if his progress was to be prohibited by Everton's financial situation, given given all that's gone on. Um, and you would hope that you know both Spurs. You'd hope that Spurs would be able to, to see that themselves as well. You know, Everton aren't going to be competing against Spurs for anything. Yeah, are unlikely to be competing against Spurs for anything this this season. Uh but obviously Delhi is a, a player who had a you know has a great legacy at Spurs as well. So you, you'd like to think that everybody would be willing to move towards a situation that could be most beneficial for the player there.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Well we'll wrap it up there. Gab obviously one thing we've got to do before we leave is predictions. So I'll let you go first. Crystal Palace away, what's the score gonna be?
1: Well, I give me clear about whether talking about Hudson's and their uh, Dice's goals for and against this season. I? Uh, I I'm gonna go with the, the, the normal bottle job of one all. But when and yeah. I always say one all,
0: I think is the uh, my guys to getting score lines wrong. That's it. Well I, I mean I'm gonna go similar the with you and I think this has got nil nil written all over it. And um, you know, a point at sellers wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. No. Um Burnley and Bournemouth have very difficult fixtures this weekend. So, I mean, this is a good, another good opportunity to try and increase the gap between Everton and them. Um, I think we'd all like it to be a little bit bigger than it currently is. In fact, I have a few more points on the board. But at the moment, I think when you look at things in in, in a wider context, I think it's it's this little, this last phase of football between international breaks has been a pretty positive one for Everton. I think a lot would have to go wrong on Saturday for, for the overwhelming... Um, conclusion of all that to be it's turned to to a negative one brilliant right well thanks very much for joining us everyone we've been the Royal Blue Podcast and we'll be back with you at the beginning of next week to talk about all things Crystal Parts hopefully another three points on the road you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast the Liverpool Echo